loud noises, other stuff going on behind the scenes. You you don't even want to know what happens on a Sunday morning around the church. You can always be praying for your staff and your people um, as the Lord um, allows us the opportunity to gather together in worship of him and, uh, and to present the gospel and to share God's word with one another. It is a... Um, it is a privilege to be able to do that, and thank you for being here this morning. It's important to know where we are in the book of Mark as we continue in our series, The King is Here, as we continue to move through chapter 4. The Pharisees have hardened their hearts, even though Jesus is revealing that he is the Christ, the Son of God, that he was prophesied about by the prophets in the former days, and now he is fulfilling all of the prophecies about him. He is showing all of the people that he is the Lord himself, the God-man who would be king and establish his kingdom forever. And yet, the Pharisees or the religious leaders are a sect of people who are plotting to kill him They have ascribed his miracles to being from Satan. This all happens in chapter 3, previous to Jesus' teaching. And now he begins to teach in parables what means to come alongside a comparison, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the purpose of these teaching is to reveal to God's people what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like and still there's also another purpose to conceal to conceal to those who have hardened their hearts to reject God's one and only son the Messiah that is clearly being revealed from this text and from his life and now the teachings are in parables And the parables we look at today are on the heels of the parables of the four soils. One's about light and revelation, and the other is about reception and the effects of receiving and denying the king. And so these next parables, as they're describing the parable of the four soils, we can remind ourselves the parable of the four soils was answering the question, who are... I could do the handheld, but that would be uh, not as fun. So not as fun for you and not as fun for me. So we're just going to do this. I I can remember uh, my buddy who was preaching in view of a call one time, and uh, his microphone went out on him. And when you're preaching in view of a call, it's the first time you get a a chance to see the congregation and all of that. And uh, I remember watching his service live 
and uh, the microphone went out on him, and he was just so smooth, and I obviously wasn't that smooth right there, but he was so smooth, endeared himself to his congregation, and uh, anyway, it went on great. But the four soils, what was that last week? Well, that was answering the question of who we are, who are the hearers of God? Remember, the good soil is those who are God's children, God's people, who hear respond, receive the word, and do or practice the word by bearing fruit. This week is answering the question, what does it mean to be a hearer? And next week we'll see what does the harvest actually look like in the kingdom of God. And so may these little known parables this morning give you insight and revelation into the kingdom of God in such a manner that you worship the king with joy and gladness this morning. All right, so let's dig in. Let's open our books up to Mark chapter four, verse 21. Hopefully there will be no loud noises as we partake in the reading of God's word. In Mark chapter four, verse 21. All right, Mark chapter four, verse 21. If you'll stand in reading of God's word, we'll read it together. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Praise the Lord for the word this morning. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you that we get to be here together and open your word. And just, Father, we pray that uh, these understanding of these parables may impact our hearts and minds for your glory and your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for the message of the gospel that brings to us light and revelation, that we can bring that light and revelation to others as you have given us such, um, Father, just a great treasure. And may we share that treasure with other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I have many sayings in which I like to tell our team, uh, our leadership team, Um, But one of the things I like to tell them is, if you're faithful in the small things, God will give you greater things, right? If you're faithful in the small things in life, God will give you the greater things. This is all true of not just uh, this this text, but all of life, right? Most people think of their job. When they're faithful in their job, they are usually given something greater. Uh, You receive more responsibility. Sometimes you become a manager of people. But even, even other people outside of jobs, this is true of. A child who shows self-control in their, with their toy is able to, to receive another toy. A, a tween who has 
an appropriate usage of electronic devices. Tweens, that's, that's, that's you. You need to have appropriate use of, of, uh, usage of electronic devices. Might one day get a cell phone. A teenager who can be responsible in their decision making can maybe one day get a car, drive a car. Uh, the father who spends time with their family on the weekends may be able to go to MMA, Men's Mountain Adventure Weekend, right? Or the, the wife, uh, at least in my household, she's the responsible one. She doesn't really need to prove herself. So normally she just has free reign. But in all of the cases, it, 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 it applies, right? If you're faithful in the small things, you get uh, larger things. But really... This is true in the kingdom of God. There is great privilege in being called one of God's elect, being in the church of God, being given ears to hear of the kingdom of God, receive it, and then bear its fruit. As Paul would put in the book of the Ephesians, Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. There is a stewardship of being in the good soil. And Jesus tells us this multiple times in multiple ways. In many ways, there's also a warning that, don't, that in whom much is given, much is required as well. And when Jesus spoke of his people waiting for his return, he said that about talking about stewarding what God has given to them. This is what he said in Luke chapter 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, <coughs> excuse me, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find in doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, not a good thing, and eat and drink and get drunk, not a good thing, the master of the servant will come on that a day when he does not expect him in an hour he does not know will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That's not a good thing either. But then Luke 12:48 says this, everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand more. You see, God has given you, the church, the people of God, much. And now there is a responsibility to shine the light because you have been redeemed. So let me ask you the question, what exactly have you been given? It's a good question, Rob. What exactly have I been given? Well, number one, you've been given the grace of God, the undeserved favor of God in your life. You've been given the salvation of God. If you have repented and believed upon Christ for salvation, you've been given the word of God. 
And God has opened your eyes and opened your ears to not only hear the word, but then to receive the word. You've been given the gifts of the Spirit. Those who are in Christ Jesus are given the Holy Spirit, and he has established and given to you gifts. We talked about this last year. We are gifted to give. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are gifted to give. The parable of the soils is saying you are the good soil in order to bear fruit. Romans 12, 6 through 8, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who is who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you are given light, you are to allow your light to shine. It will be people who are given light who are meant to shine that light. People who are given great grace to show grace. People who are given such a great salvation are those who will now share their salvation with a lost and dying world. And people who have been given great gifts that the King of Kings has now bestowed upon you are to display those gifts and bear fruit, sharing light, using the seed that was given to them to others. The king calls people to be light. That's the title of the sermon this morning. So let's look at verse 21 and let's break that down. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. This is our first point this morning. The king's people shed light in darkness. The king's people shed light in darkness. The good soil, the people, the good soil that bury their roots deep and produce fruit are now people who shine light in darkness. You see, this, these first century uh, lamps that that Jesus is, is, is giving us a picture of. They consisted a pitcher of, with oil in it and a floating wick on the top of the oil. And for obvious reasons, the, the, the lamp was placed often in the best spot. So usually a higher spot, usually like a table like this on a, on a tall table, right? Uh, like this. And the light was in the, the center of the room. Why? So that it would produce the most light for the people to see. Think about your room, your living room, in your home or your apartment or wherever you live. And think about 
having no electricity and now lighting a candle and putting it in the middle of your room, that's what they had as their lamp to produce light for them. That's what we're talking about. This little light now producing in a very dark place. And, and Jesus asked the question, are you going to put it under your bed? The answer to the question is no way, right? No way. It's a rhetorical question. So in the same way, <clears throat> now that you have been given the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, now that you are aware of who the Savior is and your great salvation are you going to hide it and put it under a bushel no right they, you know the, the kids song right this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine hide it under a bushel what is a bushel right like what are we even talking about I mean kids that sing that they don't know what a bushel is I don't know what a bushel is no but it's, it's interesting. The bushel is from this text. This basket is like a, a bushel. It's a basket. It's a bushel. They, they measured the grain with the basket. Hide it under a bushel basket is literally what they're talking about here. So, no. The answer is no. You're not going to do that. Again, Isaiah gives us understanding to what this light is. Okay, because when we read this, we're like, light? He just transferred from good soil and now bearing fruit, and now he's talking about light? What is he talking about, right? Like, we haven't really seen light in the book of Mark, so what is he talking about? Again, Isaiah gives us understanding of what Mark is talking about because Jesus is talking about these things from Isaiah. And Isaiah 58 talks about this shining light in darkness. It's interesting. In dealing with the hypocrisy of the religious leaders and those who will bear fruit or those who will truly be disciples of God or those who will follow God's path will shine light. Let me read it for you. Let's reflect on this passage as I read it. I want you to look at verses 8 and 10 specifically, but I'm going to start here in verse 5. So, is such the fast that I choose? So, <clears throat> we read this chapter way back when in chapter 2 when we were talking about fasting and we were talking about the Pharisees being hypocritical in their fasting, um, they, they were trying to, to do all the right things, yet their heart was far from the Lord. And this is what Isaiah is talking about. Is such a fast that I choose a, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast? And a day acceptable to the Lord. So they're doing all the right things, except their hearts are not right at all. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourselves from your own flesh. So he's, he's telling us here, Isaiah is saying that 
that they're, they're doing all the religious practices right. They're doing all the fasting right, and yet their heart doesn't care about people who are in need. And then he says this, when you do those things, when you care about the things that God actually cares about, verse eight, then your light breaks forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your real guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. Listen to this. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Man, if, the, if we were called the restorer of the streets as a people of God, What if people saw us and, and said, we raised up foundations in many generations? What if people saw us and said, they're the repairer of the breach, the broken? They, they were used in my life as light in darkness. You see, these are, these are distinguishing marks between genuine believers and spiritual hypocrites. They care for the least of these. They bear the fruits of the Spirit. They shine the light of the glory of God with their life. They love God and they love others. In the Pharisees' case, their hearts would become evident that they were in darkness. Verse 2, 22, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come into the light. Luke uses this exact same wording in verse 22, talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 12, verse one, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up, that will not be revealed or hidden that will, be, will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. You see, the God who sees and knows everything knows your heart. Let me repeat that. The God who sees and knows everything knows your exact heart, where you are right now. The hidden things, they will be revealed. It's a scary, it's a scary moment, right? God's saying, do we put the light under a bushel? No. We 
portrayed it so that everyone can see. And oftentimes, that's really what we have to do in our own hearts and our own minds is come to the Lord knowing that we are wretched and poor and weak in need of a great and glorious Savior. And we need to allow our hearts to be exposed to the light so that we can actually shine the light of the gospel. Because if we come before people, other people in your community group, in your church, to your pastors and go, everything is perfect and I'm perfect, and we hide what's actually going on in our hearts, guess what? That darkness begins to grow and the light begins to go dim and dim and dim. That's why God wants it all in the open. He wants us to confess our sins to one another. He wants us to say, we're, we don't have it together. He wants that light to shine. It's also a reference to the upcoming death, burial, and resurrection in Christ, which that which is hidden will be revealed. This is how God works. That which is hidden is revealed in the resurrected Savior, What we thought was a crucifixion and the death of Jesus was actually God's way of of producing salvation for us. What we think is the worst thing in our life, which is to confess that we are broken sinners to one another, is actually a way in which God provides us glorious restoration. John 8, 12 Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the the light is Christ, right? We're just reflecting his glory. When we reflect light, it's reflecting Christ. So when someone says to you, man, I, I... I see you're good. I see that you love people. I see that you serve people. I see that you give your life for people. You just say, I'm, I'm just reflecting the glorious and greatness of Christ. It's this light of the glory of God that is reflected in the lives of his people that put on display a God that loves them and cares for them. And it's meant to illuminate in a very, very dark world. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 14. You, speaking to his disciples, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now that, that's interesting. When people see your good works, do they give glory to the Father who's in heaven? Or do they give glory to you? See, because there's two different sets of good works. There's a hypocritical good works, which is the pharisaical good works. And then there's a God-glorifying good works. Two very different things. But may the the whole earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Verse 23 says this, 
If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. This is over and over again. We've been hearing this. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Again, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's an interesting, the basket, remember? It's a measuring basket used for measuring the grain. And, the, and this, this, this ties both the parables together, this measuring basket that you don't put under the light. And now he's talking about measuring this grain. <clears throat> this is our second point this morning. The king gives his faithful stewards more light. The king gives his faithful stewards more light. It's interesting. The the well-known story of the parable of the talents is really what the underlying meaning of this parable is. Displays this idea perfectly. Jesus tells a story of three men that the master entrusts his property too. The master goes on a long journey and he entrusts three men with his property according to their ability. One is given five talents, which is amount of money. One is given two talents and another one. <clears throat> now the master's gone a long time, but when he returns to settle his accounts, the servant who had five talents, well, he made five more. And the servant with two talents, he, he invested his money and, and made two more talents. Yet the servant with one talent, he buried his talent in the ground. He didn't use it to produce anything more. And the first two who multiplied their talents, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy Enter into the joy of the master. And to the servant who only had one talent, who went and buried his talent into the ground, he said this. This is actually what the servant says to the master. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground here You have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I guess my question is, have you ever thought of your great salvation and your knowledge of the truth being a person who has understood the gospel and has received the gospel 
Do you, do you treat that as something that is valuable? Do, do you treat that as something in which the king has given to you, in which you are to steward that? Knowledge of the truth of the gospel? I guess the question in dealing with this parable is what will you do with the light that you have been given? There is is a point that some receive the word of God in their hearts and yet go dig a hole and keep hiding it there for a rainy day. When I need it, I'll pull it out. Others, the word of God is so rooted and entrenched in their hearts that they can't help but now become light to everyone around them. And the word of God is illuminated from their spirit. And darkness is driven back all around them. Why? Because the gospel has become so entrenched in their life that that's all they can do is bear fruit. Those who steward the word of God in their hearts appropriately are given more understanding or deeper roots of God. So God's glory can be put on display for all to see. Now Peter and Paul and all these people, they're writing all of these epistles and these letters. They're writing it from Jesus. Jesus is teaching us all these things. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So I love here when it says, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. Have you ever thought of what you hear and what you use as a measurement of where you are in the kingdom of God? What you hear and what you use from the hearing of the word. Verse 25, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is verse, this is uh, third point this morning. Those who unfaithfully steward God's word in their hearts will grow dark. Those who unfaithfully steward God's word in their hearts will grow dark. Mm. This is tough to hear, right? Did you see it right there? For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken 
away. Don't unfaithfully steward God's word in your hearts by not living in obedience to it. You reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow. What you put in must come out. What you hear and receive and practice will come out in your life. The agricultural saying is true. What your heart's desire is will turn into your reality. I tell my kids in their sports all the time this this thought process. If you practice, you will be good. If you don't and you watch YouTube all day, you cannot expect to be very good. They don't understand that concept yet. Yeah, I don't want to practice. I just want to play. Ah, But I'm, I'm upset when I don't play very good. Well, you have to practice to play good. That's how it works. In the kingdom of God, you hear the gospel, you receive the gospel, and then you put it into practice. And if you don't do that, what your heart becomes darkened. The light doesn't shine. If you reject the word of God, it becomes darker. It becomes harder. And if you don't grow roots downward, don't expect to bear roots fruit upward. If you're not hearing, receiving, and practicing the word, don't expect to be walking in the light and receiving more light. Again, shine light in your heart where that which is dark. 1 John 1, 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then it continues on. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's it. That's what he's trying to say here. Don't expect to be walking in the light and gaining more and more light and God's glory shining through you and working the gospel in your life if you're rejecting small aspects of the word in every aspect of your life. There is a warning, and the warning is not to be hypocritical and think that you're walking in the light, and yet your life life looks very far from the life of Christ. So how will I know where to go, right? Where do I go from here? Well, listen to the word and allow the word of God to speak to your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper 
than any double-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So you want to know how to become right with the Lord? Know what his word says and allow it to pierce the aspects of your heart and the intentions of the heart that are not right towards him. In the Old Testament, we would use the term circumcision of the heart. Shine light on the heart. Allow the word of God to pierce the heart and find where God needs to shed light and begin to work. Psalm chapter 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the people of God that want to be lights, want to be people who use the word of God in their life. They want to be people who love the word of God so much that they obey the word of God. And through that obedience to the word of God, the light of the gospel shines brightly through them. So the king does call his people to be light. Let's begin a time of reflection and response to what God wants to do in your hearts and minds. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If you'll stand with me, we're going to pray together. And we're going to do this knowing that uh, there's multiple people in this room. There's some who are walking in the light. There's some who are walking in darkness. And we're going to ask the Lord right now um, to speak to our hearts of where we need him to confess. We need us to confess our sins unto this great God and allow light to shine in deep, dark places of our hearts. Father, we ask, uh, Lord, that you would be with us as we, the people of God, are in need of you. The one true light, the light of the world, the perfect light that shines so brightly. In you there is no darkness, and Lord, we are in need of your light. Father, there's so much darkness that surrounds us. There's so much darkness that we dabble in on a day-to-day basis. Lord, help us to be people of God who confess our sins because you are the one who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that we can continue to walk in the light. Help us to be people who see darkness in our own hearts and confess it to you that you would change us, that you would mold us, that you would shape us for your glory, that we would reflect your light, not only in our community, but in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our community groups, on our streets, 
that people would call us restorers of the streets, not for our glory, but for yours alone. Help us to not see people as darkness, but help us to see people who are in need of the light of salvation that you give. Help us to be, see people who are created in your image to reflect your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you guys respond?